Globally, one in every eight people suffer from a mental disorder. Anxiety and depression affect people from all walks of life, all ages, all ethnicities, and we're here to talk about it. This is the the Quiet Quiet Chaos Podcast. From anxiety to depression, from disorders to marriage, and everything in between, we're talking about it. We're talking about it. Bold, Bold, real, real, raw, and we'll have some fun. Let's do it. This is the Quiet Chaos Podcast. And now your host, author, therapist, international speaker, Jason R. Sullivan. Welcome to the Quiet Chaos Podcast. This is your host, Jason Sullivan, and I am so glad to be back in the studio again. It has been too long, and I have missed you guys a lot, and we have taken a, a quite a sabbatical from recording, uh, so we just came up with a new, reframed, rebranded reboot of the podcast, and so what we're going to do is a bit different. Uh, we're going to shorten the podcasts up. We're going to increase the frequency, so I'll be doing 15 minutes a day for once a week. So every week there'll be a new podcast and new information, same talk, same sarcasm, same uh, facts and figures and all the stuff you want to hear about and talk about. So today we are going to be looking into the world of motivation. Uh, I often get a bad rap uh, because of my views on grief. And grief is a difficult thing because we tend to attribute it to loss and negativity. Uh, What I tend to look at grief as is not a negative thing. Uh, Our brain is constantly constantly going through uh, changes. Those changes uh, require new neural pathways. Those neural pathways have to rewire. And our brain is constantly adapting to new things. So even in positive changes, let's say you get a promotion at work, and you are excited and happy, but your brain still has to rewire and create those new neural pathways. And so in many ways, that rewiring is a form of grief. Uh, We just put the negative connotations to it. The idea is that when we gain something new, we let go of something old. And so if you were to take uh, uh, Elizabeth Keebler-Ross's five stages of grief, you could lay them over any change in your life, and you would see the grieving process in action. And so looking at that, taking that into account, what I want to do is talk about motivation. And so if you've been through trauma, if you have high levels of anxiety or depression, motivation is going to sound like a really terrible idea because, well, you're anxious. Your body's trying to stay in control. Your body's trying to survive. And what we want to talk about is moving from survival to living. Now, when I talk about motivation, uh, bear with me on this. Uh, It is not going to be uh, sunshine, rainbows, and kittens. Uh, If you are anxious, depressed, suffering from PTSD, you would not want to hear that. And that is absolutely the point. And so I'm going to go through and I'm going to give you some facts some figures, some recent research that's been done, and we will see if we can make sense of this motivation in the middle of our trauma, in the middle of our anxiety, and our depression. How we're motivated really does come from how we see our helplessness. If I see myself as out of control or I see myself as the victim of any circumstance, well, motivation would be really difficult. 
I would be grasping for anything, again, going back to the survival of my anxiety or the depression or the PTSD, because in all three, these are the ways that our mind, before we are cognitive or aware, well, these are the ways that it's already chosen to cope with what we feel out of control of. So building a sense of, so building a picture of ourselves not as helpless or as hopeless, well, it begins with action. Action towards simple things. Remember, about 48 to 58% of our brain relies on routine and structure. And so doing simple things, simple things that create routine or pattern or structure are absolutely necessary. See, we perceive ourselves as helpless, and over a period of, our, of time, our helplessness becomes the pattern, and maintaining that is what makes us feel safe, it makes us feel secure. I remember a time uh, several, several years ago where I had started showing signs of an anxiety disorder, and at this time I had no idea what an anxiety disorder was. I just knew that I was going through periods where I felt like I was dying. I felt like I was out of control. My heart was racing, my stomach was upset, my head was spinning, and I thought I was dying. I thought I was going to have a heart attack or just lose my mind. And it paralyzed me in so many ways. And to my anxiety disorder for a long time, I felt helpless. And it took quite a while. I was in therapy myself for several years. And I began to understand over that time that, well, so much of my trauma was playing in to what was causing my anxiety. And my brain had been built around the pattern of being helpless. I'd compensated uh, for it in a lot of ways. I uh, took risks. I did uh, crazy things through college uh, into my master's degree. I sabotaged myself on so many levels. And one day it just came crashing down. And through that process, I lost, I lost a lot a lot of space in my own world, a lot of people who cared. And mainly, subconsciously, what I was doing is recreating a position or a situation well, that made me convinced that I would be continued, uh, or I would continue to be helpless. Working through that, well, it was one step at a time. It was seeking therapy. It was beginning to take on small, small pieces of my routine and build them back into my day. Uh, now, people will give me a hard time over this, and I, I'm not afraid to admit it, but coming from Orlando, well, we have Disney World, and I am a big fan of Mickey Mouse. And I'll tell you, when I started having panic, I went to the store, I bought a coloring book, a pack of crayons. Now I bought the big crayons, the ones that, uh, the ones that have uh, I think sixty-four colors and the crayon sharpener in the back. And I went home and I colored. Now back then I didn't understand the purpose of it. I didn't understand that it actually had a lot of mental health benefit, but I colored, and I would panic and panic and panic, and I would find those crayons and I would sit and color. And about ten to fifteen minutes, well, strangely enough, I felt calmer. Now, if you fast forward and you look at newer studies, more recent studies, 
We call this bilateral stimulation. This is where we do an activity that stimulates both the right and left hemispheres of our brain. In other words, the right and left sides of our brain. And as that begins to be stimulated more and more, the regions of our brain that panic, the regions that show uh, those repetitive anxiety and depressive fears, the ones that are set in by trauma uh, that look a lot like PTSD, well, those regions become, well, they become less dominant. And the part of the brain that becomes more dominant well, those are the sides that engage in creativity. They create, they, they engage in structure and emotional regulation and, well, prioritization and decision-making. See, if we learn to be helpless, we will recreate our helplessness in different forms, whether in relationships or in our jobs or in our daily activities. This is where our brain tries to reduce variables. Why, this is why we avoid. This is why we shut down. Uh, sometimes we end up in one room, maybe in our bed for days. And the goal is simple patterns. Now see, if I engage in a simple pattern and I begin to establish that I'm taking control, well, I'm putting my, my body first. I'm creating a routine that my body can engage in. So just in the same way that I experience trauma physically first, neurochemically, so cortisol, dopamine, uh, all of those hormones that go racing through our brains during a panic attack. Well, then the cognition came. I decided, I came to the conclusion that I'm hopeless. And see, I lost, or we will lose our sense of self in the process. Now, a beautiful part of, um, a beautiful part of growth is that as we begin to take up space, as we engage in those routines, our body begins to adapt, our neurochemistry begins to adapt. And all of a sudden, when it comes to cognition, these reactions are now framing our cognitions to the point that we begin to see ourselves apart from our trauma. Seeing ourselves as an individual, independent of our trauma, well, that begins to create what's called an internal locus of control. I'm not looking outwardly to make other people happy. I'm not bending to make sure that nobody hits me or that nobody yells at me. I'm taking an, an action that, well, it, I take it because I want to. I take it because I love to. And these are the things that we lose with anxiety, depression, and PTSD. Now, these aren't the only disorders, of course, that have this effect on us. When you look at any mood disorder, and I would venture to say any disorder in the DSM-5, that isolation is one of the common traits. It's one of the common symptoms of any disorder. And it's because our social skills decrease. And this is because of stimulation of other parts of the brain that are built more towards survival. And that, that emphasis Take, is taken away from regions of the brain that we need to connect. Now, there are so many studies and so much research done around this, and we could go days into this, and maybe we'll do another episode on this. It really depends on uh, what you guys would like and what feedback you give me. But I think there's a lot to be said about this. It's not just about being motivated towards a task or an idea, but it is literally the retaking of myself from my trauma. 
This is why originally, early in the, the, the episode, I said that change is grief. Grieving our trauma, grieving the things that have happened to us in the past, those are the first steps to moving forward. We're letting go of the old patterns, embracing the new, and letting our body adapt in the process. As we adapt and our neurochemistry wraps around those changes, our cognition shifts. And as our cognition shifts, it's no longer limited to the trauma, but now it's free. It's free to know itself. It's free to connect with others. And it's free to be motivated. I'm looking forward to doing this weekly again. I would love to hear your comments. I would love to hear your thoughts. And if you have questions or topics that you want me to cover, let me know. Message me on Insta at QuietChaosKW. And I will look forward to hearing from you. I can't wait. Uh, And uh, I will see you next week. Have a wonderful week. Take care. This is Jason signing off. You've been listening to the Quiet Chaos Podcast. Our passion is to talk about anxiety, depression, and disorders, and answering tough questions, but having fun doing it. Coming at you with facts, interviews, hard-to-discuss topics, and a little bit more rebellious than your typical mental health show. We hope you've enjoyed it. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram at QuietChaosKW. Remember, there is hope even when your brain tells you there isn't. See you next time on the Quiet Chaos Podcast.